What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 299. My name is Steve. I'm one of three co-hosts. My other two co-hosts that are with me, as always, are... I'm Ron. And I'm John. <laughs> <laughs> now, are Both we are all correct. three co-hosts? Or so. are, are you the host and we're your co-host? Or is Ronald the host? Is this, you know, like, just one of I those think- things... I think it's equal. I think okay. I think it's just, three. I think we 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 three co-host together. That's at least how we tell everybody that you know that we try to get to give us access to their movies. Yeah, that we right. yeah, yeah. We're a three-headed host. We're a three-headed monster. Is what yeah. we like. actually. That's what the email says. Is that we're yeah. a three-headed dragon. <laughs> we're the bing, we're bing, the one that got so. cut. Yeah, we we got cut from Game of Thrones, but we exist and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we are a thing. But yeah, thanks for tuning into a new episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to kind of go through some news items, some pretty big news items that we were excited to talk about earlier in the week, kind of held some of the conversation for today's podcast. But we will, the feature review that we're going to be going over today is a new movie called Profile, which is out today in theaters um, where theaters are available uh, to you. Um, but before we get to the review, um, let's do some news, some items, maybe talk about a couple trailers that came out maybe, but what do you guys want to start with? I want to start with something that's a real detour, but it should be a quick one. Oh, great. Two, $2.99 is the number of this episode. It and is. Not only does that imply that a very momentous number is coming up, like right around the corner, but two ninety nine conjures to me that $2.99 was the cost of an action figure when I was like in my prime mm. action figure buying you know, days. And I was just wondering how much did action figures cost when you guys were in your prime action figure days? It's just as a silly question, but I just wondered, was it still, did they, did it, was it like tacos? They kept it at around a certain price. It went up, it went up 10 to 15. Cause I remember buying, yeah. um, like, uh, X-Men action figures. And actually when, uh, my mom, my mom used to work at the aquarium in Baltimore. I would like hang out with her cause we didn't have babysitters sometimes. And uh, I got her the Q character from Star Trek. I got it because she was obsessed with that character. My dog is actually named Bambi Q James. That was actually my. But yeah, I had a Q and I saved up all my money. It was like $10. And I was so proud of myself that I could <laughs> give my mom an action figure to put above her desk as she worked. So that's know. it. That's cool. 10 to 15. See, yeah. well, I'm I'm thinking specifically of the Star Wars and GI Joe figures that were like the yes. that was my shit when I was a kid, you know, yeah. and uh, two ninety nine pretty much everywhere for like a Star Wars, but these are like the four inch figures. So when yeah, you talk yeah, ten yeah. fifteen, you might be talking like a six or seven inch uh, figure no. or some. You know, no, they're still, they were pretty, still the small ones. They, they well, were, you know, the cool little... thing about that there was a store called Zare that had them for two dollars and sixty eight cents. Really, and uh, and I would get five dollars a week allowance, and it, my mom would go. A lot of times, it's like I felt like if I'd been really good, I could negotiate. My mom would would float me the extra like sixty four cents or whatever it was to get two GI Joes. On a wow! Friday. So I'd be That's rolling into dope. that week and feeling pretty good. What a childhood those. you had, John. That was, yeah, those were the yeah. days, guys. Those were the days. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, what about you, Steve? Oh, sorry, Ronald. <clears throat> Continue. <clears throat> no, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I just didn't just know what Steve's price range Steve. was. <clears throat> I mean, I'd probably say oh, it's yeah. somewhere. I, I was going to say somewhere around like seven to ten dollars. I feel like most of the ones I was buying, like of the ones that you described, John, were somewhere in that ballpark. Like, you know, like they're maybe not as small as the Star Wars ones, but like all the like Ninja Turtle figurines I had, and like you know that mid '90s, early mid '90s, like where that was probably the height for me. I want to say whether it was like, you know, an allowance or just money from cutting the lawn or doing little odds and ends like it either went the baseball cards or action figures. And, you know, 
I feel like they were probably like that same kind of mental check where like, oh, I got 20 bucks. That equals maybe 2.8 characters I could buy at the store. <laughs> right. And then, you know, and then you'd sweet talk mom or dad, like you just said, you know, like, okay, let's make it happen. What else can I do to make this work? And then, yeah. uh, you know, make, make my day better. And then there were, there was, there were those characters that they had like way too many of everywhere. And then the ones yeah. that you knew were hard to find. And it's like, yeah. it was always, you know, you knew some stores, which is like, this place is only going to have a bunch of, uh, I don't know what the He-Man characters would have been, but it would have been like, easy, you know, there would have been something they always had, Beast Man or something like that. But Trap Jaw was harder to find. <clears throat> I remember that. What about um, what were you about to say, Ronald? <clears throat> related to that. Okay, so, um, so so to supplement not being able to get new toys all the time, we go to like Goodwill and stuff like that to kind of fill in. Like I, she was just like, I'm not getting your, it was, it was June and I'm not getting any toys until December. So to the goodwill we go right <laughs> so i got a ton of star wars action figures like the, the ones you're referring to right and i used to be a big wizard comics guy like and you know you check the action figure uh values and when i was in private school a nun took my action figures so like a year later i got my wizard magazine and i'm like looking through the values and i saw the ones that you're referring to and Luke, who I had, went for like $5,000. Mm. And that was out of the box. In the box was like ten. Wow. There oh, was a hot dude. second where people were actually paying those ridiculous... Well, some collectors yes. anyway were actually paying ridiculous money for that stuff. Pretty soon yes. it, that changed, you know. But like yeah, there was... Just like with comics, there was a brief period where certain things were worth something because... It, it was something from the era where people didn't know, that weren't treating it like a collectible. But as soon yeah. as you were in the era that people had heard you could make $5,000 on an action figure, suddenly everyone's yes. keeping their shit nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it means yeah. that yeah. from that point on, especially if something comes out and says collector's item on it, you know, you, it's like gold foil <laughs> stamped. It's like, no, no, no. You're going to be the thing that everybody gets. There's, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. there's too many of you already for this to be worth anything. Uh, um, but, you know, that's how they got a lot of us. I, I Luckily, I yeah. at least enjoyed the, f I, I played with them until they fell apart just like I read my comics until they fell apart to a certain extent. Mm. So I think there is this point of like, you know, I did sort of want to keep things nice, but the battle of playing with them always won over the battle of like, you know, keeping them pristine. So right. yeah, I was not a collector. I was a user and abuser of toys. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite Sid, but you know, I did yeah, have some, yeah, yeah. I did do some firecracker shit where I would put some firecracker under some, some moss and I would like roll my GI Joe Jeep and time it so that it would hit what, right and when the it, flip it over, yeah, that's and it cool. would like knock it over. Yeah, that was that was nice. fun as hell. And I don't that's think I ever cool. actually broke any toys, but if I had, I would have been sad. <laughs> and it would have been like, well, what do you think was going to happen? Um, all right, well, that was my fun little diversion. <clears throat> that was there the toys go. that made us the second. Yeah, that's yeah. we got to pitch that up uh, part of yeah. the episode of Netflix. Um, yeah, where were we? What was the, the news? news? We should, the we should talk about knives out um, yeah, I mean, thankfully, out. even even recording this episode, like, there's more to talk about with Knives Out. Yeah, and by yeah, the time this yeah. comes out, there'll probably be even more. Yeah, there will be more. So many. So they they've been announcing a ton of casting for Knives, Knives out, out. Knives Out two, and so they're getting Netflix is getting two and three, correct? Correct. Huge. So who did they announce that that really got you guys super excited? Well, Dave Bautista is a cool fit for Ryan Ryan Johnson. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and uh, then Ed Norton is a cool fit for Ryan Johnson. 
and is also a cool person to picture bouncing off of Dave Bautista. You know what I mean? And then yeah. they announced Janelle Monet. Was that who they yeah. just announced? Okay. Yeah. So that's already like <laughs> a pretty amazing cast that you can go, oh, wow, these people in this, not just in a drama, but in a world where it's a little bit heightened and it's a little bit not quite yeah. campy, but it's fun. You can imagine what kind of yeah. part, like what kind of raging asshole Ed Norton's going to be playing. Um, and you know, maybe what kind of super cool guy Dave Bautista is going to be playing. And I'm wondering who all's coming back. Like I haven't heard anything about Keith Stanfield, but I'm kind of hoping, I don't know, somehow I think it would be cool to see him pop back up, but I, maybe Daniel Craig will be the only character that connects the, the movies. So, yeah. yeah. The funny thing about it all is that like, you know, that announcement wasn't that long ago. And, you know, this episode is coming out on, you know, May 14th. And it's like, this is supposed to be filming. It starts filming in like uh, the rumors are in June. Like it's supposed to be this summer in Greece. Mm. But like uh, what oh, I've Greece, read, that's and awesome. What, what people have said uh, seems to be like uh, a June start date, which is super soon. And so that makes yeah, sense that you know they're kind of doling these names out, these big names. You know, literally one a day for the past couple of days, and I'm sure it'll continue. You know, off and on over the next few weeks, but. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what Netflix wants. You know, this is what they, that's what they put up whatever $400 million for or whatever that reported amount was. Yeah. Um, as you know, this kind of splashy headline where like, you know, the top headlines of every day of this week have been about their new movie, Knives Out 2. And it'll probably continue for at least a few more weeks until they go into production. And, uh, you know, this is good for them. It's good for Ryan Johnson. It's good for everybody that gets involved with this because I think, everybody's excited to see what this is and what this franchise becomes. And not to mention, you know, we didn't even say his name, but Daniel Craig is like a part of this too. And this is, uh, you know, in some ways his franchise, it seems, and that character's franchise. Um, so even to say, you know, the th names that we just mentioned bouncing off of one another, you put Daniel Craig into it as Benoit and it's like, it's just a cool, it's a cool idea, which is why I love the first movie. And I'm sure I'll love these movies, or at least I'm very excited to see them. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Knives Out 2 starts shooting this summer at some point, but we've got a pretty amazing cast already. And we're probably not even a third of the way through the names that they're going to drop. Right. Um, right. Easily probably at least like five or six more big names, which is insane. Huge. But <laughs> oh. those are fun oh, movies, man. man. Yeah. Those yeah. I, I, I think it'll be, a, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm glad that there's no like CGI. It's just good storytelling, which yeah. could, you know, which means that the sh these these movies probably have a pretty quick turnaround. They film in June, probably that, that, film for a month. That's true. Month that's two. true. Edit it, have it ready for the end of the year. So like, you know, that's that's the fact that that could maybe happen or or even January, February. It's that's nuts. Yeah, and that's kind of what happened with the first one. Is that like you know the whole story around it was that like they had a really small window to make that movie before mm. Daniel Craig made the new bond and, or, you know, when it was kind of going in and out of directors and before they actually went to production on bond. Right. And, uh, you know, so that, that happened during knives out, like they did make that movie pretty fast and, you know, it was ready pretty fast. So, I mean, I don't know that they need to do that again, but um, it does seem to lend itself to what you're describing, which is like a movie that could go through production fast if they want this movie out in the next right. year or whatever it, it, it ends up being. So it'll be interesting to see how they turn that around. Yeah. Um, cool. I wanted to mention something real quick. We, we've been talking about this off and on um, over the last year. And it's something that obviously is not changing just because the world is getting better in some ways and theaters are opening back up. But uh, there was a couple uh, big announcements this week of some uh, sales of 
feature films that went into production under one production company, one studio banner, and was sold to a different distributor, whether it's a streaming service or, you know, that has some sort of combination over the top and streaming service. But the first one was um, Mark Wahlberg, Antoine Fuqua's uh, thriller called Infinite. Uh, That got sold to uh, Paramount Plus. And that's, I don't think they actually announced a date for it yet, but it's supposed to be sometime in June. Um, It was supposed to come out in September and they pulled it and sold it to Paramount Plus. Um, And I think, what studio was that? That was, yeah, that was Paramount, but that was like, they they didn't sell it, I guess. They kind of moved it over to that release. They didn't even, you know, put it in theaters at all. It's going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive. Um, and then the other one was uh, Sony sold their uh, Cinderella kind of reboot, remake, uh, whatever you want to call it. But it's uh, the one that is uh, Camila Cabela is the star who is starring as Cinderella in it. But they sold that to Amazon. So that's going to be coming out on Amazon again, um, kind of foregoing a theatrical release, becoming like an Amazon Prime Video exclusive. I don't know that that one has a date yet. I want to say it was supposed to come out in theaters in July. So only a couple months off of its release and it's coming on Amazon now. So it's, it's just like, it's just a really interesting thing because it's, 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 it's so unpredictable. Like what movies are, are going this route and you know, which ones are going a route where like it's only streaming or it is a, you know, or it goes to a service that has like, you know, a day and date type of thing like Disney plus can do, or, you know, uh, HBO max can do or anything like that. Um, or even like sort of like Netflix is starting to do it more and more with their stuff, like army of the dead, the new Zack Snyder movie that comes out next week, you know, it's getting the widest, I think the widest Netflix theatrical release that any of their movies have gotten because of a deal with Cinemark to actually play it in a lot of theaters. So that's like a whole new hybrid for them too to kind of get some of their movies in theaters, or at least ones that they think people will pay to go see in the theater. And that seems to be like one of them, but you know, the other side of the coin is ones like this, where like you have a Cinderella remake, you have a Mark Wahlberg action movie, um, both completely foregoing a theatrical release and just going to streaming. So, I mean, any thoughts on that? Um, just uh, thoughts on those movies in general. If you, have you heard of those, have you been looking forward to either or, or anything like that? Um, I wonder, uh, yes, I have heard of that, the Anton Fuqua movie, Infinite. Um, so I, there's a couple of things I want to connect in all this. This has been a crazy week for Paramount Plus announcements. Yeah. One of them is that uh, they announced that in 2022, they want to release an original movie every month for the, for the entirety of 2022, right. which is kind of cool. I, I, you know, I like that step. It feels like what HBO Max was kind of heading towards, which they were doing through right. the like day and date thing. So that means that they, they, they're trying to be heavy duty competition for services like that. John Krasinski just got a uh, first look deal with Paramount Pictures. And some of that stuff is supposed to be going into Paramount Plus. Ryan Reynolds got a Paramount uh, deal for three years that is supposed to be funneling some of that stuff through Paramount Plus. So what that means to me is that they're they're trying to, you may not look at them as a contender right now, but if they hit you with a new movie for 12 months, you you can't ignore that. And then if they start doing original TV shows and things like that more, um, they're going to be a contender. So that's what that means to me in that that respect. 
And and I and I guess I have a question kind of bouncing off because of that. Is there a movie fire sale happening right now? Is that is that what it feels like? Does it feel like they're yeah. just like <laughs> yeah. or, or some variation of it? It's just it's just like we, we, we talked about like that backlog or like the bottleneck yeah. of some of these movies that you know were pushed back over the last year that maybe they just don't have the confidence, you know, of, of what's going to be released in theaters. You look at what's still coming out. It's a lot of the tried and true blockbusters or movies that are hitting, you know, very key into time of the year or to a demographic that comes to see a movie of its kind or, or whatever it is. It's just that, you know, you know, some of these musicals are going to still be released, like not necessarily blockbusters in way anyway, but I mean, they have an audience that come to see movies like that. But like, you yeah. know, some of these ones that we're talking about is just they they kind of seem to be falling in that gray area of like untested franchises, like Without Remorse, another Paramount movie sold to Amazon. You know, um, it's just weird when you look over the year, Paramount is like the major one that has basically offloaded almost everything. You know what I mean? They yeah. So looking at this, so The Lovebirds, Trial of Chicago 7 went to Netflix. United States versus Billy Holiday went to Hulu. Coming to America, mm-hmm. the upcoming Chris Pratt movie coming out on July 4th weekend, The Tomorrow War, and Without Remorse all go to Amazon. So that's in, you know, nine, ten months those were sold. Um, now they do have movies still coming out in theaters. They have Quiet Place 2. They have Jackass. They have Top Gun Mavericks, some other kids' movies like Clifford the Big Red Dog. Again, some kids' movies they're going to still put in theaters. But it's just like a weird, like, I want to know what the equation is or what's the algorithm for like, why does, you know, uh, let's say, why does Without Remorse go to Amazon Prime, but Infinite goes to Paramount Plus? You know what I mean? Like, which ones are they deciding? Like, we said this about coming to America. Like, why would they not have kept that in-house and used that to launch Paramount Plus? Because it came out the same week that Paramount Plus launched on Amazon Prime. So, like, the logic in some of this stuff is so weird to me. But you see this stuff just going out to random streamers that, like, you know, that A, didn't didn't have a lot of stuff in production themselves during the pandemic. So they're buying and they're probably overpaying yeah. for these things. And then you have these studios, like you're saying, like, we have 20 movies we need to release in the next year or two. And it's mm-hmm. like, we can't release them all. It's going to be, we're going to lose money like crazy. So if we can sell it to someone, you know, and get back our production budget and then maybe some back end stuff like that's what they're doing, I guess. I don't know. What do you think, John? What's your take on all this? I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of like, I don't know what it means in the long term, because right now we're in this weird before zone where we're not really back to the way things are. So I think these choices that they're making, it almost seems like they're just sort of clearing the docket as much as they can that they're trying to get these movies, uh, you know, back on the calendar in some way because they're, they're hoping to move forward and continue to make new stuff. So it's a little bit like, I don't know. I mean, it, it, every day it seems less like, um, it's, I don't know that the time that this is going to rage on. I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in my waiting, waiting another week for my, uh, uh, you know, for my, second shot to be in full effect, but I know a lot of people that are fully vaccinated and that are starting to kind of do stuff. So I don't know, it must be kind of a a weird time for the studios to sort of try to figure out like how, how much should we expect less for these movies and how much should we, we hope that we can just put them in front of people. But I think it still kind of makes them like this question of 
what's that window between theatrical and watching it at home? And what does that mean when a movie gets, you know, for one thing, yeah, for a studio to sell stuff off? I mean, it's almost like there's two or three different issues going on there. But I think that that issue is going to continue regardless of theaters being back in action and people going to see the movies out again. I think we still have kind of learned there's this extra hunger for... Uh, you know, seeing these theatrical movies at home as soon as possible. And the studios have realized they can still make a pretty good amount of money through their services. So I don't know. It kind of seems like they're trying a little bit of everything right now. Um, But I don't know if I have a real strong opinion about it, like whether it's a trend that we can look at or if it's just in a year, it's going to seem like business as usual again, you know, that that right now they're kind of burning off some (laughs) back catalog sort of. Um, I was thinking about how scary precise um netflix can reach out for a movie now so they can say in december you know men between 18 and 75 watch this type of movie at this point in the month yeah that is so scary how precise that information can get so their their purchases are so much more intricate than than say like you know somebody that's just trying to go for something like maybe Hulu will pick something up with the hopes that something will be that'll do well, like Nomadland. But like Netflix can set up a situation where everything may not win something at the Academy Awards, but it will definitely win the hearts of people. They figured out a cool algorithm based on hours and hours and hours and hours. They have a lot of information about our viewing habits and like, yes, right. Yeah, totally. So it, it, so if they go into the market looking for a uh, army film about a a 25-year-old man that you know that's the pe- that's what they like. They like this. So let's buy three of those things and then let's have, let's put them out. It's crazy. And we know so, the second week of June is when this movie is going to perform the best, yeah. you know. Yes, man. No, it's, it's true. Like based- I, it's, but it's weird, though, how Netflix, we've talked about how they still seem, I mean, it's changing because so many, it's the, the line is blurring between like what's a Netflix movie and what's a theatrical movie. But it's right. still, you know, occasionally you feel that that different development process. But I feel like that is even changing, that Netflix doesn't seem that different, at least not from the other providers that we're talking about right now in terms of the kind of content that, you know, like without remorse, the fact that that would have been a theatrical movie, it felt kind of TV sized to me somehow when I was watching it. There were a few scenes that felt like they would have, you know, that would have really benefited from being seen on the screen. But it kind of felt like it would have, I don't know, that movie seems to me like it would have felt like a a mid-level, blockbuster in terms of what just what's on screen the kind of action that you're getting um so you know i wasn't even sure that that wasn't kind of made as a as an amazon movie so when i heard that that was acquired the way that it was i was like oh okay i guess you know it's it's hard to know how well some of these movies would be doing if they weren't coming out in this this very user-friendly way but um no, it's got to be crazy, though. All this, like, the you know, the forecast of what how much money they're expecting to make, all that was just growing and growing and growing over the last few years, and then it just kind of burst. So, like, you know, who, who knows what's going to be that first movie to to make a billion uh, yeah. again, yeah. or to get back up to those crazy numbers that we were hearing. It almost seems like it was destined to pop <laughs> in some way. It was destined yeah. to change, and the way we, yeah. we, we grade these things was destined to change, but... No, yeah, yeah. As far as my opinion, I always listen to what you guys are saying, and then I try to, I basically uh, synthesize your two opinions into a slightly new opinion. <laughs> That's great, and it works. So, so one of the ones, uh, so there's a couple of trailers that came out. I just wanted to mention this week. Yes. We, we don't really talk too much about trailers anymore, but there's a couple of really good ones. Um, but what, the first one was another one that Sony produced that they sold to Netflix, which is Kevin Hart's Fatherhood. 
which I think is going to be a huge movie for Netflix. Huge. I, it's going to be massive. And I, th- I actually think it looks really good. And I've heard that it's very good. Um, but that movie just seems like a four quadrant. People were going to just eat this movie up. And yeah. And uh, their production, their promotion of it, it, it just seems right down the middle. And the trailers, uh, trailers really good. And I just think like this is <laughs> you talk about Netflix, like they know what to do and when to do it. And it seems like, oh, well, let's talk about a movie called Fatherhood for Father's Day starring Kevin Hart to everybody that has our service. Yeah, there's going to be a lot yeah. of people watching this movie. A lot of. Yes. People. And then and then you'll you'll like the movie and you're like, man, that Kevin Hart's a funny guy. Oh, we have all of his specials here. Right. Yeah. Right here. Right here for you to watch right now. Right after you watch it. Yeah. And then his everything is kind of rewarding itself. And plus, this looks like the first Kevin Hart movie that everybody's gonna universally say is a good movie. Cause I think I think he's been in this sweet spot of like shitty movies where he's just been making kind of middle of the road movies that people have not hated or really loved. And I think that this is going to be the one that may separate him and, and for it to be on Netflix accompanied by his specials that he's, you know, exclusively putting out through Netflix. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Like father's day is going to be huge for him. I think so. I think so. Huge. Huge. Do you notice who wrote it? Yeah. No, um, it's it's kind of interesting. I saw, it. I saw uh, it pop up. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 directed by and co-written by Paul Wheats of the right. Wheats brothers. Nice but brothers. the the screenplay is co-written by Dana Stevens, the uh, film critic for uh, for Slate Forever, and like you know, really, really for a while, a long time ago, was one of my favorite critics. Um, you know, I think she kind of phased out of writing reviews a lot. But I used to, she also used to be on the Slate Culture Gab Fest, which was a which was a podcast i don't even know if it still runs anymore but she was just a you know a a, you know how you have those couple three movie critics who you go you know this person's not just blowing smoke she was like kind of a an artsy critic but she would occasionally dig in and and vouch for some popcorn fare so she just seemed to me like a legit film lover Mm. um so i don't know it's always to me interesting when a critic lays it on the line and writes a movie do you know what i mean so i don't know so that's very interesting that that's another thing that indicates this is this is, I mean, you know, Kevin Hart has the ability to to put any number of movies into action as a producer, and some of those movies could be some of those kind of lowbrow, quickie comedies. But he's a he's a talented guy, so of course he can he can act. He could be in a he's just like any number of those really funny actors that find the right drama or comedy drama for them, and it could really connect. So there's no reason yeah. to think that he wouldn't be in something legit as well. But I don't know. That's sure. just one more thing that makes it sound kind of interesting. Is that you know someone with a <laughs> a lot, a lot to risk if this movie sucks. <laughs> being being a film critic, right? Um, right so I don't right. know. You know, I'm, 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 I mean, I was interested before that. I did not see the trailer, so I was looking at the the Wikipedia page to see what's up with this movie. But the cast is pretty fucking awesome. So, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, it looks, got, it looks, it looks really good, actually. Yeah, looks good, man. I teared up a little bit watching the trailer. I'm not gonna lie. To yeah, you. me like, too. When he when he gives when he gives when he gives her the kiss in bed. Yes, right. and he says, "Here's two: one from your mother and one from me." And I was like, "Oh no, don't do this to me! <laughs> I can't do it." Can't when do a trailer it. gets you, you know, know there's some sad. shit going on. Yeah. You know that yeah. means the movie is just going to be like, oh, gonna fuck. Like, <gasps> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's the little kid from them who is yeah. like a force on that show, man. Yeah. So like, yeah, I I know it's going to be really good. At least should I be watching the them? Act. By the way, is them is them pretty solid? 
them is heavy, man. It's that's I, I, I feel weird talking like them is them is heavy. Them is heavy. Bro. I know what uh, I said is them pretty it's hard solid. to watch. <laughs> it's hard to like watch. It's hard to you know, watch, man. Yeah. Like I, I'm I've been taking breaks. It's like racism is at an all time crazy high in life, and then it's an all time high in our media. Underground comes out Friday um, or tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Underground, uh, underground comes. Yeah, Underground Railroad comes out Friday, and uh, Barry Jenkins is next offering so so yeah i was going to ask you about that ronald because i was just curious because i you know we've talked in the past about sort of wearying of like civil war narratives and slave narratives and stuff like that but here's barry jenkins who's somebody who i think we can trust to do something really interesting and kind of magical and cinematic with the story i just didn't know how you were feeling about that i can confirm the book it's based on is really interesting and kind of quasi fantastical it's got elements that are not fully grounded but it's not fully supernatural so it's interesting it's a little bit of like alternate history almost if they stick to the book i was just wondering yeah. you know if you know how how interested you are in seeing that it looks really good but it also uh, looks like more I, suffering you know yeah unfortunately i i'm like exhausted a little bit from from like trauma you know yeah. on screen I, I tried i was like about to watch so i think that like Netflix has cornered the, mar- the the market for black trauma. I mean, it, it's like Monster and all these these movies that are coming out that are uh, great, like uh, critically acclaimed and all this stuff. But it's just people getting murdered and killed by police and locked up for twenty years, and I that that bothers me. Yeah. Uh, so um, I tend to lean towards the stuff that's a little more like normal, uh, a little more like day to day. Hey, you know this person's having a good day, but it's I not want to see that movie. You, you convinced me. That sounds great. <laughs> it's not readily available with black people in it, man. Like there is yeah. a, a film that Brian Tyree did that's like a, a rom com that I want to check out. Uh, it's called where the heck is it? It's called uh, The Outside Story, um, and that kind of stuff I'm been trying to embrace more than the the trauma stuff that I've been seeing a ton of. So, I mean, long story short, I'll probably watch the pilot of uh, the underground. Cause I know that it's like the underground railroad is actually like an actual subway. Like it's actually, yeah, that's what I'm state. saying. It's a little bit, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a literal railroad underground yeah, in the, in yeah. the story. So, I mean, it's got that, that element of fantasy, which is like, you know, some people might say they, they want that even less in this type of story, but it is trying right. to do something different. Than, than other narratives of its type. But like I said, I just, I enjoyed the book and the fact that it's Barry Jenkins, I'm very intrigued, but you know, I'm, you know, I mean, for I can't pretend to have the same, the same feelings about it that you do, but I am similarly like that kind of, that kind of narrative. I just kind of feel like it, it, it's hard to watch and then appreciate the cinematic aspect of it when it's like, it's, it's such a button pushing thing, you know, to see that kind yeah, of suffering yeah. and that kind of, that content displayed. It's exhausting, man. Like I, I, I'm. I always opt out of it, to be honest with you. But like, you know, if a good one comes along, I'll, I'll check it out. But like, is there a good one? Is it? I mean, and by that, I just mean like, can I come out of this not feeling like my heart's being ripped out of my chest? Sure. You sure. know, and that's the way them made me feel. Like I've, I've had minor versions of things like that happen in my life, and I'm actually going through this phase where I'm, I'm like in a new neighborhood and having my existence being questioned at every turn like you live here oh my goodness this can't be a, you know you have to do something like was this given to you like people are asking me nuts questions i don't i don't live in a mansion i live in a house i live yeah. in a regular house 
the the houses around me cost more. It's and somehow I, I like being questioned at every moment feels like them almost like a like a slightly less aggressive version of them without uh, blackface uh, people just dancing around as ghosts. Uh, so like you know that that's a. Well, I'm glad about that yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah, that's can not. You Im- can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm probably going to give the pilot a, a, a look and then I'm a little exhausted. Yeah. Thanks for asking though, man. Like I, that's a good question. I feel like that's, that's something that people don't really try to get into the heads of people that have to. Well, Barry Jenkins is also this. one of our guys kind of. So it's like, we would normally be him. like saying, oh yes, this is it. And I was like, oh, this, I was just wondering if that was a conflict. Cause I, I know we've talked about it before and I know you in particular have said it almost doesn't matter how good you hear it is. It's just like, do you want to. You know, yeah. is it worth being dragged through those thoughts and those feelings? You know, is are they doing anything new with it? You know, and I don't, I yeah. don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see, man. I'll let you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll watch it and you know talk about it on the show if it's worth talking about. But uh, but I, yeah. yeah. And it starts this weekend, right? Or did it? Yeah, start yeah. It starts, starts this Friday, I think. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, when when the podcast comes out today. Yeah. today. All right. Um, but b- before we get wise? to the review, you hold on. Before we get to the review, just just the other trailers I wanted to mention. Oh yeah, so yeah. That, so oh, everybody sure. can everybody can find them. We can just breeze through these, so we'll just be like, yeah, we want yeah. to see this or no. Yeah. So absolutely. the Green Knight. Yeah. Did you guys see the of new course. trailer? Yeah, yes. yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, the final trailer man. for A Quiet Place Two. Yeah. Have you guys? Seen I did not see that yet. I didn't see the final trailer. Yet. Final trailer's great. Can't wait to see okay. it. Okay. Yeah, and then the the real one that came out at the beginning of the week that really got the most buzz is Venom. Let there be carnage. Man, it looks really fun. It really it does. Looks it looks I like they they the they worked one. out the tone that like, and I I did not see the first one, but I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, oh, what is this? And I heard people talking about it. It's got funny moments and it's got kind of violence and sudden yeah. moments that are like putting it in this different zone for this type of movie. And that Tom Hardy seemed to be having a little fun and all that stuff. And so I was like, okay, I'll check it out at some point. And then my son saw it at a sleepover and came back and said, dad, it was pretty, pretty cool. You know, you might, you might <laughs> like it. And, and, but they, they had fun with it. And I was like, okay, a couple of 13 year old boys liked it. So maybe, maybe I'll like it. And then I saw this trailer and I was like, I guess I should go back and watch that movie just because it, it looks like that what they're doing with this looks like, okay, they've hit, they've settled on a, on a take on this character and the way that it works with the world that just, right. you know, it, it was really funny to me, just the stuff that was in the trailer. But even beyond that, I thought that the origin of the villain we get looks really insane and cool. And, yeah. And, yeah. and, and Woody Harrelson seems to be having fun. And it's always a good sign to me when Woody Harrelson is in something that seems to be having fun. Definitely. Um, so I don't know. And also it's Andy Circus directing. So I think we can expect the mocap for whatever that means. We can at least expect that stuff to be well imagined and for the potential of, of what can be done with this type of, storytelling to be you know to be visually imagined and it actually did look kind of cool it made me think okay i hope this works out for andy circus you know it looks good like yeah. the the actual creature yeah. effects like look the the brief shots that you get of carnage like look really good like you know and i would actually i was going to tell you guys i didn't mention it on our thread but um there's a video that came out along with the trailer i, I guess it's on sony's youtube page but um mm-hmm. it's andy circus like breaking down the trailer and uh oh wow it's really good it's really good and just like you can just hear like how much fun he had making the movie and like he's really excited for people to watch the movie so just like you know i we all like him a lot like he's a he's he's a 
you know, we're fans of his on this podcast. So yeah, like the mentioning of him getting to direct this and, you know, the insight that he has into whatever the mocap elements of this movie are, but I mean, even just like the creature performances and like what that stuff looks like and what can be done with digital effects. Like he's has had his hand in some way in some of the best that there's ever been. So, you know, for a comic book movie called Venom, let there be carnage. Like (laughs) it is what it is, but it does seem like he had a blast making the movie. So check that video out. If you can track it down, it's literally like a shot for shot breakdown of the trailer with the director, Andy circus. That's worth checking out. No, that sounds cool. I like him. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, I think that was only other, those were the three I wanted to mention, but, um, a lot of cool trailers came out this week just before we recorded. So I thought we could mention that. Should we do least. like a trailer roundup soon I think or so. something? It's always fun when we do that. Like oh, I think yeah. at this point there's starting to be should. enough stuff to, to, to get excited about. So yeah, I love talking yeah. about trailers and yes, yeah. yeah, so we should, we should start doing Me that too, more man. often. Um, yeah. okay, cool. So let's, um, let's just do uh, a little review of the, the feature movie. For this week, this is uh, coming out today uh, in theaters. This is um, a movie called Profile, directed by uh, Timur Bekmambetov, um, which most people probably know from Daywatch, Nightwatch, maybe Wanted. Um, those movies are probably the most mainstream films that he's Abraham had. Abraham Lincoln, he's... Vampire Hunter. <laughs> sure, that too. Um, <laughs> but he's kind of been really involved in this whole like this screen life uh yes. genre or subgenre of movies and they have definitely developed and like kind of deployed this production means of making these things look the way they look and i think he's also a producer on searching and searching too so he's got his hand in these kinds of movies um but this movie basically you know uh i don't know does it, do you want to talk about it synopsis john i don't want to dominate the conversation but do you want to break it down oh you know um <sighs> I guess we would say that if those movies you've mentioned are kind of in the vein of thriller or um, or like you know straight straight thriller or supernatural thriller, uh, we've seen um, right. And th- this one is more like political thriller kind of, yeah. but it also goes with that sort of real world horrors aspect. In that there's a few points in this where what it's depicting the kind of surprises around the corner of of what's happening on screen are very much like the sort of surprises that happen in one of the straighter horror films like Unfriended or something like that where right, it's like right. but it's more grounded and I would say if that's something this movie has a tougher time with is because it is trying to be more real world and more grounded I think when it does get to the more ridiculous aspects i mean searching had this all of them have had that point somewhere in the third act things have to take a turn and they amp things up and you have to kind of go with it's like found footage movies do this too at some point you have to go with the fact that someone's still filming at some point you have to go with the fact that someone's doing so much of this through the phone or saying what they're saying out loud or whatever um i think this movie kind of uh because it was trying to be rooted in such real world stuff when it gets to the more heightened aspects of it 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 it, i don't know it it felt a little bit schlocky or something to me but i mean as far as the technique of telling the story this way through all the interactions all the stuff i just said the way clicking on a message can kind of be like a shock um i think this movie it's it's almost like funny in a strange way that he's he's been he's had a hand in two or three of these and he's making one now as though they're really just saying this is a straight up subgenre now um oh for sure um but i don't know i mean i think that it i think it has some moments of tension it has some little character beats that work and it has some people that maybe you'll kind of like and i think ultimately it's a little bit like it didn't quite it didn't quite blow me away but i i do think that that idea of well a, a, a journalist who's kind of catfishing uh, a terrorist or a, a journalist who's who's going undercover in this way um 
I, I, I told you we binged Catfish. I see everything through the filter of Catfish recently. My, mm-hmm. my wife was watching an episode of uh, Hoarders, and I was like, why don't oh. they just have one? I just want to see Neve pop in and, and see what he thinks of these Hoarders. See if he that show is so good, man. <laughs> anyway, so um, good. but like, th- th- so I don't know. There's something about it that does feel very plausible. And then there's those little moments where it just feels, it's got some movie-ish stuff that happens. Like, for instance, when she goes, when she creates her new identity, like within minutes, she's she's in <laughs> with this relationship with this guy. There's obvious reasons. I mean, in the story, you might look at the, the reasons why some of these things are seemingly easy for her. But yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, I think it kept me going the way a lot of thrillers do, kind of pot boilers, where you can't help but be engrossed by the how things get worse and worse but it kind of felt like her decision like she seemed like kind of a bad journalist and like her decisions were incredibly impulsive and i know there's supposed to be sort of a head versus heart thing going on for her character but i don't know if for me that really translated because we're still talking about a terrorist it's like her boyfriend's kind of dull and pushy and then it's a terrorist so like this idea that she's kind of tempted by this other life that she's dipping into and going undercover. Uh, it, it, I don't know if I quite bought all that. I don't know. I've said a lot. What do you think, Steve, about any of that stuff? I, said, I pretty much just agree. Gonna... I feel like I'm a little more positive on the movie um, than maybe you are, but I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I mean, I think that's probably the piece that I would criticize the most is just like the buying, like the glamour of like what pulls her in so quickly to to this world that be you know this, this isis recruiter that she's you know has this relationship with online and how quickly that develops i mean and granted this is a movie that's like an hour and 40 minutes it moves pretty quick i mean mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 if anything maybe it's a little long but i mean like i think that part of it does feel like the most the biggest leap that you have to take and just go for it if you want to follow the story but in general though i feel like i kind of was in on like how desperate this this character was to have a story and to get a story. And like, I feel like even when you kind of get peppered in with a lot of her personal stuff and like kind of how that is kind of in turmoil in different ways, both, you know, financially and where she is in her personal relationships and, you know, where her boyfriend wants it to go and where she wants it to go. Like, so those things kind of mixing with the allure and the glamor happening when she's talking to this recruiter in these social media and these Skype videos I mean, to a point, I'm kind of in on it. Like, I kind of get it. Or, or I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm along for this. You're kind of with it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. But then it kind of jumps a pretty big leap. But I mean, I think that's what they're some of it. What they're trying to say about what what's happening, you know, and, and right. this idea that they're recruiting all these, you know, these British women that you know see something better there for them, and they don't see what's really happening there because they're kind of only being shown what they want to see. They want them to see. And, you know, like you said, there's a point like, you know, when we get to our third act in these kinds of movies, something has to happen to kind of kick it in. And a lot of it is convenient, but um, and kind of what kind of informs her what's really happening without, I guess, spoiling anything. Um, but, it, you know, her her resources are very convenient to like kind of let her know what's going on. Yeah. But in general, though, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, honestly, like I was pretty I was pretty into it the whole time. And. I felt very uncomfortable, like at times um, watching, you know, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but like watching her think that she's fooling him when, you know, really it's like, a, she, you know, she's absolutely being fooled. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's that, that whole idea of like this journalist who thinks she's got a one over on this guy. And, you know, when the moment happens and you see what's going on, 
it's just really un- uncomfortable. And, you know, and you would think someone that's not even half of as intelligent as she is maybe, or as crafty as she is maybe getting themselves into this situation also, which it's, sh- you know, you hear about this in the movie examples of like other girls that have gone through this and what have happened to them. You can really quickly see like how they basically traffic these women in and out of these ISIS training camps and like what they do with them. And it's just, it's really scary. Um, and that so part's the, very real world too. And that's yes, the part that this movie it's is very scary is rooted in like, you know, the kind of rip from the headlines sort of aspect of some of that, that stuff. So it does. Yeah. I think you're right that the, the genuine suspense and sort of the twists and turns and the kind of, well, like I said, just the technique of guiding you through the story in this way that feels very uh, relatable and feels very, personal and and I would say also making it scary to be sitting at home on a computer when the stuff that you're scared of is miles away and the people Absolutely. you're scared of is you know at least potentially are miles away that that, that stuff is palpable I do think they do a good job of that whole <clears throat> idea of you know making it you know how it kind of seeps into her life even though she's where she, you know she's at home while this is all happening sure. so yeah there's also like another element of it that I thought was really and it's not even really unique to the whole idea of like the, the the ISIS recruitment that this movie is is really trying to explore but i mean just the idea of like on, online relationships and online like anonymity you know and and a, a true lack of it you know it, with today's tools that are out there and the way technology works um it just that itself in this story is very uncomfortable to watch and kind of scary um when you think about what people do online and um you know, the protections that they think they have in certain efforts that they make to be anonymous or to right. be someone else. And, you know, you you pick up on things like, you know, I may have joined this thing with a different name and that's who you think I am. But like, if you really wanted to know, you could see things in my background. You could see things in my, all the videos that you have with me. And that stuff is really scary. Like the social engineering stuff, you know, how they do that hacking is very scary and it's very real. And I know people who do that for a profession and it's, uh, that that's it, that stuff is wild. So to see it in the context of this kind of like journalistic attempt to to get a story and and how that story might turn around on her is I thought was pretty interesting. But in general, I I, I was pretty into this movie. So it's it's something that I would definitely recommend checking out. You know, especially there's not like a lot coming out right now. So I mean, like it it is one that's trying to have a release. I don't know, you know, when it'll be on video on demand. If you want to wait for that um, option, but I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Just. In general, I like these screen life kind of movies. Like I, I I'm in on searching the unfriended movies. Like yeah. I, I'm kind of in on all these because I just think it's kind of innovative and different. Um, but I don't know. And and you didn't get to check it out, Ronald, right? So like we're basically no. selling it. We're, we're trying to sell well, it. Ronald, to you, basically, I, I was just going to ask <laughs> you what do you think of those the kind of stakes in those sort of in those screen life movies? As we've said, we've we've seen. You know, my favorite of them all is still Host. I know that that's maybe not quite the same format, but I do think Host is the, and I know it's a horror film. And I do think like this movie is, like I said before, it's a good test case for let's not do a horror, let's do something else, but let's still have those feelings of like the pulse pounding excitement of, of like the story that you're being led through. It has some horror. It almost teeters into horror in that last act. Um, but but how do you yeah. feel just in general? Not having seen this, Ronald, but about those sort of those sort of movies that use social media, and also I think benefit from using the real apps and the real yeah. you know it looks it yeah. really looks like the screen that you're at home. You you might be compelled to, to to click on your mouse while you're watching the fucking movie because it's so especially if you watch yeah. it on your computer, as we did this screener as I did. 
Zoom, uh, uh, host using Zoom and the way the, the realism of that and just host is the best one I've seen. I say searching is a close second. Um, I love the pacing of searching, but host just took me by surprise in a way that I, I just couldn't handle. Honestly, it was it was pretty amazing. So I've seen really good versions of those and I've seen really bad. I saw one uh, that was like a, a Facebook. Somebody died and started appearing on Facebook. And oh, I remember that, that one. What was that? Yeah. Was that one of the unfriended? Or I think that was unfriended. I think that was one or, of the unfriended. Or the sequel like, to it, the, maybe the newer, the newer unfriended. Maybe, and yeah. Then, you know what I realized? Like I, I thought that the authenticity of it, of just really using Facebook, would entertain me, but no, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it really just is driven by how well the story is told. So yeah, if this if this story is told well and it's and it's done, uh, you know, fairly realistically, I'm in. I love them. I'm I'm really a big fan of them. I, this doesn't feel like a genre that's been worn out yet. This doesn't feel like found footage. You know, it felt like every movie was found footage for like a year or two for a while. Right. This doesn't feel like that so much. Like I, right. this feels like a yeah. genre that's still budding. <laughs> you know, we watched uh, the. Did you see the Romeo and Juliet one, Steve, at South by uh, Southwest? The R and J. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, yeah. I like that way more than I thought that I would. And yeah. that was a cool version of it too. So yeah. like, this feels like a budding genre. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to see what, what, what this movie is about. Like I, I really wanted to see it, you know, unforeseen circumstances prevented it, but I like, I like those movies a lot. So. I think, I think you'd like it. I think. You'd yeah. Like I mean, it. it's, it's okay. like, and honestly, even with my criticisms with me saying like, Oh, it's a thriller that gets a little uh, off the rails in the third act. It's like, there's a lot of really solid thrillers that you could say that about. That, like yeah, that's where they, yeah. that's where they, they have to keep upping the ante. And also I think for me, it's what you were talking about, Steve too. And at least what you confirmed about what I was saying, which is like that. I think if, if I, if I got bumped by anything, it was by like, okay, are we supposed to think this character is smart or are we supposed to think that she's impulsive? And I think that whole idea of she's tripping over her feelings yeah. is kind of the character note that's supposed to make us buy that stuff. And your ability to go along with that and to vouch for a character who's acting that way will, will depend on how much you like the way the movie resolves. But I think even in that section where it was becoming implausible, it still has that, again, the kind of creep factor of just... I don't know. And I, and I, I actually, I thought some of the stuff in Unfriended uh, was effective because I think that idea of who could be on the other end of a chat, who could be, especially that, you know, that face, that no avatar person that pops up. Yeah, I think yeah. that's just a creepy idea, that notion of the unknown presence that's out there or what's really happening. Um, um, but I think this movie made an effective use of specifically a kind of us knowing, as you said, Steve, that, that we're seeing the gap between where she's where she is in her understanding and and what's really happening, we're seeing that kind of grow, and I yeah. do think that is like it makes for some really like you got you, it's 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 nerve wracking, and I think that's what this movie is trying to do is just kind of twist it and twist it and tighten the screws until it gets to the end. So, yeah. So the, that's that's out today in theaters. Yeah. Uh, Focus features. I, I don't know what their theatrical window is. If if again, if if you're not comfortable going to theater still, you know it'll be in some video on demand option at some point in the near future. But if you're if you're comfortable going to see a movie in the theater and it's available, you know, where you live or, you know, it's definitely something I would probably recommend checking out. It's, it's a really interesting movie. And, uh, 
I don't know what else he has coming up next, but he does seem to be doing a lot of these kinds of movies. And again, I think he's kind of at the forefront of, of the technology that they use to make them. And we should have, we should have, uh, when we had a niche on the show, we should have, I wish we could have talked to him more about searching mm-hmm. because, um, I watched a video like in, in how they he mentioned it a little bit in our interview with him, which you can find on our, our YouTube channel or on a, on a prior episode of the podcast. But like the way they edit these movies and they shoot they shoot these scenes like are just it's so fascinating. There, there's a video on YouTube that, that he put out when searching came out, basically showing how much editing went into making the sc- this, this screen life thing look real, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, look edit it together. You know, with stuff they did with like John Chu and everything, John Cho, and and like it's just really, really wild, like how they do this kind of thing uh, to make it look real. So yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. But well, that's one way it's that, different from found footage, right? Because found footage, right, exactly, is like you can see how easy it would be to run around and have bad photography and just put it For together. Sure. This you actually have to go in and animate all, even if it's a. That's you know, it. A, yep. a, an obvious transition or something. You have to animate that. It's not. It's not just shooting a computer screen while someone clicks. Exactly. Around. Yeah. It's really. It's really cool stuff. And um, yeah. I don't know. You should check that video out if that sounds interesting at all. It's a. It was a video for searching again. Um, that Anish uh, Shiganti put out. Um, is there anything else you guys want to mention on the podcast today that you saw quickly or just as a brief mention before we wrap this up? Ronald, anything you've watched recently? Uh, no. But I did want to mention that the movie that we saw at South by Southwest, Together Together, um, the small indie film that got picked up, um, is now on uh, video on demand. So if you want to check out a good film that's like, uh, you know, has a lot of heart. Is that the Ed Helms one? Yeah, Ed Helms and Patty Harrison. I wanted to check that out. I missed that. I want to see that. Yeah. It's it's on PVOD right now. So okay, like, if you cool. want to check it out, if you didn't get a chance to see it at South by, this is this is a good film that'll you know entertain you, make you tear up a little bit. And the, the dynamic between Patty and Ed is so good, man. Ed, this this kind of give breathes new life into his career to me. Like I feel like Ed Helms is kind of miscast sometimes, or uh, you know, and, and I feel like this is this is a perfect role for him. Cool. Check that out. Anything else from you, John? Um, I watched the Sons of Sam uh, series, Doc, whatever that is, on Netflix. I don't know when that came out, but I feel like I saw people talking about it around the yeah, time last I watched week. it. Yeah. So it must have been relatively new. I mean, it, yeah. it kind of was like, it. it's four episodes, I think. It's, it's sort of like... Um, the best and the worst of this genre in a strange way, because it it ultimately feels like one of those, you know, you've ever watched an episode of Unsolved Mysteries or any Unsolved show and you're getting towards the end and you realize like, oh, wait, this is unsolved. No wonder this is like, <laughs> they can ratchet it up as much as they want. They're never going to tell us anything, you know. Um, this whole thing, this it's it's about a guy, I think his name is Maury Terry. I might be getting his name wrong, but I think his name is Maury Terry, who was a uh, a writer and a journalist who had evidence around the time of the Son of Sam killings, or at least his theory was that David Berkowitz did not act alone, basically, and that there mm. were there was he was part of a cult, a satanic cult. Now this was around the time of like the you know America was going into the satanic panic years, yeah, yeah So yeah. there was a lot of talk of satanic cults and things that didn't really bear out, but there were actually occasionally things that happened in groups that did some creepy things, and also like extremist kind of cultish groups. A lot of times those kind of you know the idea of like. Satanism, which in real life is kind of like a free will sort of thing. Most Satanists are are about free will rather than like evil. But like 
pretending to be evil is part of the, I mean, I'm probably getting all this wrong. A real Satanist would probably correct me, but the idea of using what's going to off, like throw society off or confuse people. That's kind of like the game of it is like, it's not about being evil as much as it is about just flipping everything over, uh, you know? And so you can imagine how, and they say in this documentary that that could lead to at, in its most extreme practices, like personal freedom and people having all this expression and, you know, drugs and sex and everything piling in, some bad things can happen. So yeah. it's not like satanic panic being kind of a, an alarmist thing means that nothing bad ever happened because of cults. So we just don't know. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. movie kind of hits at that that paranoia about cults and gets into some pretty creepy imagery and ideas about what might have been this cult that that David Berkowitz was part of or was in the thrall of. And they don't ever quite tilt it over. They don't really show compelling evidence that makes it provable, but it's pretty convincing that something more was going on than just this one guy. And then the documentary kind of doesn't have anywhere to go because you know that nothing <laughs> ever Is came there, of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's about a guy who, the, it, it kind of ends up being more the story of this man, Maury Terry, and his obsession with it, and how he let it kind of affect his life. So it's a little bit like something that would have been on A&E that would have been an hour long, you know, 25 years ago or something. But it's it's a nicely made four-hour mm. show. And it does get into some interesting stuff. But ultimately, I felt like, oh, that was entertaining because it was creepy. And it kind of reminded me of when, of when conspiracy theories were fun uh, to think about and to hear about. But, um, you know, ultimately, it's just more murder. Um, so it's kind of like what you're saying, Ronald, about all the trauma. It's like at some point, you know, it's another one of those. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I think if people want that extra little creep factor thrown in with their with their true crime, this one, this one, at least the first couple episodes have some. It's got some really, really, really creepy ideas being expressed in it. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't seem to. It doesn't seal the deal. To say this was actually happening. It's more like, oh, this really sad, desperate, obsessed guy thought this was happening. So I don't yeah. know if that's really that much of a story. <laughs> But anyway, it's well made and and entertaining. Did you watch it, Steve? By any chance? I have not yet. Yeah, okay. I have it in my queue. I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, you might like it. I'd like to hear what you think. <clears throat> yeah, um, I definitely want to. Um, I just wanted to mention real quick. There's a couple. I don't. We didn't get to talk about it on the podcast. I know you saw it, Ronald. But the Netflix movie Stowaway. I wanted to mention. Mm. Um, I thought that was actually pretty good. Actually, I, I liked that quite a bit. That's uh, Anna Kendrick, Tony Collette, uh, Daniel Day Kim. Um, I had no idea even like I didn't even watch the trailer for it. I just kind of watched it because it was like I heard you you said you watched it and I'd heard from a couple of people that that they liked it, but I thought it was pretty good. That's on Netflix. Um and then TV shows I've been watching uh Muddy Ducks Game Changers on Disney Plus. And um it's it's so good. It's so good. Um anybody that likes the Mighty Ducks movies, definitely recommend this series to you. Um and then I finally caught up. I'm I'm almost done season one of For All Mankind on Apple TV Plus, and damn it, that show is good. Like I I'm way behind on that. Oh my god, I'm way behind on that show, and I only kind of got my act together because like the second season has already come out, and like a lot of articles I was reading was just saying like it's gotten amazing reviews, especially the second season. And just saying that it's like low key beyond maybe Ted Lasso, like the show that Apple has that is like the, the like great show. And uh, I'm I'm on the final episode of season one right now. Uh, the ten episode seasons, it's great, man. I it, it's gorgeous. It's so, such a cool idea. Like basically, what if we never got to the moon first? What if the space race never ended? What if it went decades? You know, what if you know a different Kennedy was president? Like that revisionist history kind of stuff 
just really cool stuff happening in the show. And um, I just wanted to recommend that if anybody out there hasn't checked it out yet or was thinking about it, that's uh, two seasons of that are out on Apple TV plus right now. That's um, for all mankind was, it's so good so far. So yeah, those are kind of what I'm, I'm watching right now. Awesome. Mm. So yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, I think that's it. That's enough. That's a lot. That's plenty. It is. That's enough to give away. Ronald, you got to get back to watching like 18 things that that we haven't heard of. He's getting his house built, yeah. John. I know. He's, I know. He's I getting know. the house finished. He's a busy man. I'm going to give you guys a tour. And so he's got he's like got to, he's got to get a carpet in that room. Yes, to absorb <laughs> some of that sound. That's fuck. All around the walls and the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Your whole room would be yeah. carpet, carpet like like the furry walls from getting <laughs> yeah. the Greek. Glue action figures on the walls. They'll break up the sound in an interesting yeah. way. Um, cool. Okay. Now, so, so two ninety nine is in the books. That means the next special episode is going to be episode three hundred. John talked about it earlier. I think sort of. We I were alluded. There. I alluded to counting yeah. and how the next number um, up is an exciting number. It's going to be a, a don't miss. Like it's a very special episode. Comes out next week. Ten years of movie movie three hundred episodes plus. But um, we had some special guests join us for the episode to go over a really fun topic to kind of cap off a, a decade of this. Uh, podcast that we all love doing so please especially next week tune in to episode 300 you can find us at movieshmovie.com and from there you can you know basically jump into any podcast platform that you uh, prefer to use and if they offer an option for you to review the podcast or share it out to a friend or family member uh, it would be great if you could do that we'd really appreciate it Um, and if you leave a review or star rating like on apple if that's a possibility wherever you are if it's not apple we thank you in advance. Um, what else? Anything else? Anything else? YouTube. YouTube.com slash movie Hit that up. Subscribe. Hit the bell to get alerted. Some people prefer watching videos and listening to podcasts. You could do that too. Yeah, all these episodes are coming out there the same day that the podcast drops. And we have a special side thing on the YouTube channel called Marvel Schmarvel, where we're kind of going over different shows, different movies uh, as they come out um, that Marvel Studios is uh, putting into the world. And we just kind of finished uh, going through the seasons of WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're going to be talking about MODOK, the new Hulu series coming up here on another episode. And then once Loki kicks off in June on Disney Plus, we'll be back at it on a weekly basis, uh, recapping those episodes. And again, that's only on YouTube. That is not in the podcast feed. So if you want to check that out, if you're a fan of Marvel, um, subscribe there so that you get those alerts. Or if you're a fan of Schmovie, I mean, come on, you could hate Schmovie. Marvel and just be a, a Schmovie completist. That's true. You got to see it all, and you got to see that. Then that's gonna, one day that in jokes the set. That, that we create on that show will be bleeding back into this show, and people will be like, right. "What's all this talk about Aunt May? What what the hell is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, it's gonna be it. That's a uh, that's uh, it for this episode. Um, thank you for listening, and as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.